Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Your local school board has a lot of sway. They're usually elected and they make all kinds of decisions about how students are educated in their districts, but they've never had to deal with a pandemic. And now some parents and elected officials are questioning whether these school board members really have what it takes to call the shots. When we talk about local control in schools, what we're really talking about is leaving these decisions, in this case, decision about whether and how and when to reopen to the thousand plus local school boards. Today on the show, how the debate over returning to the classroom is testing the power of your local school board. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. California governs education in a more complicated way than probably any other policy area. Guy Marzarati is a politics reporter for KQED and producer for the Political Breakdown podcast. There's just a whole list of decision makers when it comes to education, starting actually outside of the state. You start with the U.S. Department of Education. It goes down to the governor. He appoints the State Board of Education. They kind of come up with the standards. The state legislature is involved. They have an education committee. They also have a budget education committee. Then the voters elect the superintendent of public instruction. Then you go down to California counties. Each county has a county office of education. Then you get to more than a thousand school districts. They're governed by boards that are elected by the voters. And then they oversee the superintendent, the staff at the schools. And then on the side of all of that, you have the teachers unions and school employee unions, which bargain at the local level and then also lobby and influence policy all the way up the chain. 
So that's that's an incredible number of both people and groups making decisions. And and in this big web of decision making, there is the local school board. How central are the local school boards to the decisions that get made? Right. So the local school boards are really the voice of the local voter in school policy. They on a day-to-day basis, oversee the superintendent, the management of the schools in their district. When we're talking about this reopening debate, and it's really about laying out the, the guidelines of a specific school day, laying out when people return and kind of the setup of the classroom, that's right in the wheelhouse of the local school board. And I think that's why you're seeing they're having such a huge role in this debate. I mean, the politics of school boards has, have have always been contentious, right? Like that that's not new, but it does seem like there is just a lot of anger directed at them specifically when it comes to this this question about how to reopen schools safely. So, who's putting pressure on school boards right now and what kinds of pressure are local boards seeing? Right. So the big point of political pressure has come from these parent groups that have organized to push for faster reopening of schools. The children need to be back to school. They need to be in person. The learning gaps, the mental health gaps will not be able to be overcome the longer that we let this go on. Children need to go to school. This is not the first time, you know, parent groups have have formed in mass and and gone after school boards. You can talk about uh, protests against desegregation that happened in the 70s. Parent groups played a big role in that. But in this individual instance of, of school board reopenings, we've definitely seen those parent groups flex their muscles. Both targeting individual recalls against school board members. We've seen that in San Francisco, San Ramon, Benicia, basically picking out individuals and saying, you know, you are holding back progress on reopening. We want to recall you or we want to oppose you in the next election. Others have raised kind of a bigger picture question of does this, you know, slow reopening pace show that school boards are not up for the task of this kind of big decision? And those voices have said this is really a reason and an opportunity to hand over power from school boards to mayors, to, you know, city officials who they say have more competence, more governing experience for a big, you know, uh, high profile debate like this. I am normally a huge proponent of local control, but this year local control has been a complete failure. Lawmakers like Phil Ting, an assemblyman from from San Francisco, he voiced this frustration, um, you know, back at the beginning of the year when he said, basically, local control is not working when it comes to reopening schools. We are at a standstill, which is exactly why the governor, the legislature has stepped in to work on a solution to reopen our schools. Ting and other lawmakers feel like the state has sent a lot of money to school districts dating back to last summer, and that money has not been used, in their opinion, to really expedite the reopening of schools. So they feel like just handing over money, handing over authority to these local officials is not working. We thought we were pretty clear when we passed the budget this last year in June, saying here's $5 billion to help you with COVID as well as to get your schools open. And I was a little bit uh, surprised that most schools did not take us up on that offer and open up their schools. Earlier this month, Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill passed by the state legislature that gives an even bigger chunk of money to local school districts. Some of the $6.6 billion will be used to incentivize schools to reopen. But the bill still does not require schools to reopen. The irony is that after the frustration we heard from Assemblymember Ting, 
he ultimately was the author of the bill that passed the legislature, was signed by the governor, that incentivized but did not mandate the reopening of schools. So for all that frustration, this idea of local control really carried the day. Lawmakers felt like the best course was to leave these decisions up to local school boards. And so while Assemblymember Ting was frustrated, especially with the pace of reopening in his home district of San Francisco, the bill that had his name on it does not mandate districts like San Francisco bring kids back into the classroom. Uh, we've learned a lesson that we have to be much more prescriptive uh, to our schools in terms of minimum standards. Others have called for the legislature and Governor Gavin Newsom to take it a step further and, you know, maybe even override the collective bargaining that happens at the local level and say, look, we're, we're overriding this collective bargaining. All teachers have to return to the class. That was an opportunity for leadership and leadership to have, if need be, have even said, you are coming back. One person I talked to who really wanted to see the state take a heavier hand is former state Senator Gloria Romero. She's worked on education issues for decades. She was a big charter school advocate in Los Angeles. She says once the governor and the legislature handed over authority to that huge myriad of forces that I mentioned before, they really just ceded control. The governor didn't even really take a side. He just receded into the backdrop and let all these local people respond. Romero says the governor, the legislature, they should have taken stronger action and forced teachers back in the classrooms, forced school reopenings, um, and they didn't do it. So as you mentioned, the governor and, and the California legislature decided in the end to give school districts financial incentives to reopen, but they didn't mandate that schools reopen. So kind of with that in mind, what is the argument for why local control by school boards is an important system to have? Well, advocates of local control would say it's a uniquely California solution. We are a massive state with school districts with totally different needs. I mean, when you talk about a school district like Los Angeles with more than 600,000 students, just mass, one of the nation's largest school districts, it's impossible to come up with a state mandated plan that works for Los Angeles that also works for tinier school districts across the state. There were legislators that you know stood up during the debate and said, look, the school district that I grew up in, the principal was driving the school bus. So there's no way you can create a plan that works for that district as well as some of our larger urban districts. They say, if you hand the power over to these local districts, you'll get the best solution for that community. I disagree heartily that this incident shows that uh, local control does not work. I talked to Troy Flint, who's with the California School Boards Association, and he really talked about school boards kind of being caught in a, you know, uh, position where they couldn't win. I think school boards have really been stuck in the middle uh, without uh, the resources and the capacity to address what is really a public health crisis. They, on one hand, they had the state providing, you know, pressure and some frustration, but really without any guidance until this recent deal was passed um, in March by the legislature and signed by the governor. They don't really have the framework needed to effectively uh, pursue negotiations on reopening because there hasn't until now been this standard for the state on uh, what acceptable measures of safety are to reopen. 
On the other hand, they're facing angry parents who are threatening to recall them from office, uh, challenge them at the ballot box. So Flint says these school boards are really caught in the middle. And so they're basically left to the whims of of individuals or individual groups about uh, what is appropriate to get kids back in, in the classroom. What it shows is that in an outlier situation, when you don't have su- sufficient support and guidance from the state, that local control may not on its own be enough. I also talked to Republican Senator Rosalicio Choabo. She uh, has been a school board member at, in Ukaipa. Um, and was recently elected to the state Senate. I think in general, people underestimate the power that they have in their local school boards. She says if parents, if citizens want change, if they want a different direction, that's the beauty of why we directly elect school boards. Those parents, those you know, groups can put forward their own candidates or vote against a different candidate at the next election. She says this is actually a great example of why local control works. You are ultimately in control of your schools, um, your local schools. If you're not happy, then lo and behold, go ahead and select and find candidates that reflect your values and your vision of education and get them elected. This pandemic has, has shaken up pretty much everything in our lives, including politics at every level, right? Federal, state, local. And as you said, like we've seen real anger towards local school boards and at this idea of local control. I'm wondering, could this anger lead to real changes in how much power local school boards have in California? Well, I think that's a question that many voters might face in the future because there are efforts to use this frustration, to take this frustration over reopening and use it to change how school boards are put together. Take the example of San Francisco. There are a group of parents there who are proposing a ballot measure to go in front of all the city's voters that would hand power to pick the school board, take it from voters and give it to either the mayor, perhaps members of the board of supervisors. And that's part of, I think, a a longstanding effort to do that in California. We've seen efforts in the past in Los Angeles uh, and former mayor Antonio Villaraigosa tried to take over greater control of the school board. His plan was ultimately thrown out by the court. In Oakland, uh, when Jerry Brown was mayor there, he got a measure passed to get greater control of the school board, appoint his own members. That ultimately didn't work. He still didn't have a majority. So we've seen this kind of thing in the past. And I think to your point, this you know frustration, this debate over school reopening might bring that conversation back up. And we might have another kind of referendum uh, among voters to decide who should be making these school decisions at the local level. Even beyond this reopening debate, this conversation about who should have the final say in education decisions is one that will continue because at the end of the day, this is an issue that is incredibly personal for voters, right? If you are a parent, if you have uh, you know, someone who works in a school, a loved one who works in a school, if you are involved in the education community at all, this is an issue that is incredibly important to you and will play a big role when you head to the ballot box. Guy, thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. As Guy said, local schools don't have to reopen unless an agreement is hashed out on the local level. But a lot of state money's on the line. 
Under this new law, districts have until April 1st to return to in-person learning for some of the youngest and most impacted students, if they want full access to these funds. After that, districts get less and less of it the longer they stay closed. And if confirmed cases of COVID-19 keep going down, the state will incentivize districts to open up for even more students. Guy Marzorati is a politics reporter for KQED and producer for the Political Breakdown podcast. This episode was made by Erica Cruz Guevara, Shaylin Martos, myself, and our editor, Alan Montecilio. We get help each week from Issa Mendoza, who writes our Friday newsletter. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for us. Talk to you later. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.